Our goal is simple, to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The Better Your Business Show starts now. Good morning and welcome to the Better Your Business Show. Here we discuss your most important business challenges and provide you with practical solutions to help you better your business. That's right. So if you're an entrepreneur, mama or papa or solopreneur, then you are an go-getter. You are an overachiever. You have everything you need, but what you may not have that you definitely need, access to experts who can give you step-by-step instructions to help you realize your goals. That's right. And as Tehran said, no matter what type of preneur you are, when you first started out, the one thing you did not get was a roadmap. No one handed you an instruction manual so that you can build your business from zero to hero or zero to maturity or zero to exit. And Sharon loved to say, exit rich, start with the end in mind. And we're doing something new today. We are going unplugged. Uh, so we're just going to have a sit down and we're just going to talk about all things financing, business or whatever. As long as we think it's going to add value to your portfolio and add value to your business, that's where we're going. So welcome to the Unplugged Show. <laughs> that's right. So whether you're joining us live or watching the replay, make sure you take your free business assessment at Pillar5.com and then join us in our virtual studio where we can address your concerns and comments throughout the show. That's right. And I'm excited about today's show, guys, because today we have one of our homegrown Ms. <laughs> Natalie Espen. I'm, I know we're going to go all over the place, but I'm going to really lean in because there's some incredible value that Natalie can help us to better understand uh, regarding life insurance. Um, and there's more to it than just that. So, Natalie, what is today's topic of many topics. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about insurance, uh, definitely money, finance, having a strong financial foundation, I think really is the point of today's show is how do we have a strong financial foundation? So my favorite sub subject, of course, so I'm really excited about it. Well, Absolutely. Oh. And I know when, when people first hear that thought, insurance, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want to hear about insurance. You know, it has no value. It's it's all cost prohibitive. I'm putting money out just in case something breaks later and I don't need it right now. I have better things to spend my money on. And so today, as we talk with Natalie, what you're going to learn very quickly is that insurance has way more use. And the wealthy understand this to the to the third degree. They understand how to utilize insurance policies to improve their wealth generation operations and systems and processes. And so, Natalie, I want to talk about that a little bit. And I'd love for you to jump in because when I was first introduced into insurance, I was introduced to insurance like everyone else. Buy insurance, life insurance, car insurance, home insurance. It's there if something breaks you know, then they will cover that, right? Plus I'm gonna play some crazy deductible and I have to play this crazy uh, premium, but it doesn't have any value. It doesn't have any value unless something happens, right? Um, if I don't die, 
then it does no good for my family. So what is the big hoopla about insurance that most people do not understand and how can they use that in finance and wealth generation? That's a big question. <laughs> There's a lot of answers to that. So I would say, you know, first and foremost, the biggest um, thing when it comes to life insurance is that the healthier we are and the younger we are, the least expensive that it is. So when I look at insurance, just in general, whether it's for your cell phone, health insurance, whatever, insurance is a leverage. You're leveraging your small amount of money for a larger amount of money. So you're leveraging. So the way that we do the best job at leveraging is we want to use the least amount of our money. So how do we do that is that we get that insurance while we're young and healthy. The other thing too is if you look at generations these days because of of, um, you know, food because we're eating more fast food because we're uneducated on, um, you know, how to eat properly. We live in a fast food culture. People are becoming healthy, unhealthy so young now and not qualifying for life insurance, which is a big hole in the game. I think about how right now they're giving penalties for not having retirement benefits, for not having health insurance. But I think that should be a requirement for life insurance as well. Mm. So, Natalie, even before we jump all the way down in it, because uh, you you mentioned something offline um, after one of our shows when we were just dialoguing and you actually broke down where it all comes from. So to give people um, a better understanding, can you kind of break down what is life insurance? Why is there life insurance? Where did it come from? What is this thing? So that people can participate. The history of life insurance. (laughs) I know everyone's so excited. Let's talk about the history of life insurance at 8 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock in the morning. I know we've had enough coffee for this one. But, um, you know, when actually, so life insurance actually started off very similar to car insurance where it was used to pay estate taxes. So one of the, I think, biggest myths behind life insurance is that people believe it's exactly like car insurance. So as long as I'm paying my premium every month, if something happens, I'm protected. And that's not the case. Right. So that's a big um, myth. But it did start off in that capacity where it was meant to protect against the state taxes. Because if you think about it, taxes are the lowest they've ever been, right? So who was covering that back in the day was the life insurance companies. So what's had to happen is that we've had to evolve over the years, right? It went from being a policy where it was similar to insurance to then becoming um, we've had term insurance whole life insurance we have variable universal life insurance universal life uh, there's uh, GIULs now right guaranteed universal life and so there's all these different um, caveats to it and a lot of time people go okay well which is the right one for me oh I just have it through my job and so there's a lot that we need to understand about it because it has so many moving parts right right okay So from a business owner's perspective, and I know I'm just going to kind of jump in and we'll probably unpack as we walk through this, Natalie, but um, from a business perspective, let's, you know, in fact, let's not even talk from a business owner's perspective. Let's just talk from someone who needs to better improve their financial situation, right? How does insurance play a role in that? Well, insurance protects our assets protect and protects our income. So if that income isn't protected and our assets aren't protected, well, then what happens to everything we've worked so hard for? It's gone. So it's the protection. If the person that's bringing that money into the household passes away, that money's gone. What happens to that household? 
the house is gone, the income is gone, the downsizing, everything changes from that, right? So it's protecting your assets, it's protecting your income, it's keeping the same type of lifestyle that your family has now. And unfortunately, one of the things is we don't take the time to slow down. I think part of it is that we don't place enough importance and value on our money because it's something we never talk about. It's something that we're not even taught in schools and college. It's very minimally taught in churches anymore. So the mindset behind that is money must not be that important. It can't not be that valuable because we never talk about it. Right. <clears throat> but hey, that's the thing. It is that valuable. That is why we need to talk about it. And um, I was on a tangent till I forgot where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> so if if OK, so I'm sure like I used to think and and I'm sure many people who are watching today are thinking, okay, yeah, but that's so far in the future, right? Because we don't know when, when that future comes to an end, right? You, no one knows when they're gonna pass, right? So you don't know when that's gonna happen. So, okay, so I'm putting all this money in for this protection, right? And this money is just going down in, in my mind or in most people's mind, this empty pit. And they'll never get it back and I'll probably end up paying way more than I'll actually get back later. So, what is the advantage of having it today? Like, I get the whole save it for later and protect my family later, but I could be 95 when I pass, you know, and so that's a whole different ballgame. But how how do I apply it to me today? How does it impact me today? How can I use it to help me today? So, well, I would say the first thing is we all know we're going to pass away, right? That's a guarantee. So I think that we need to prioritize life insurance more, right? We tend to think about that as we're getting closer to retirement, as we start to have kids, maybe as we start to get settled down more and it goes back down to leverage where it's going to be expensive because we're older. Once you hit 49, life insurance gets expensive. And like it's a night and day between the premiums. So you want to, again, leverage, use the least amount of our money and leverage the life the life insurance company's money. So you want to get it now because we're the youngest and healthiest we're ever going to be right now. Right. So get it now. That's how you leverage it. Um, the second thing is most people don't know. Life insurance now contains what's called a living benefits. These are huge. It's a huge, huge deal. I can't talk about this enough. A lot of people that know me in my personal life know that both of my parents um, worked in the uh, senior sector, right, in retirement and um, senior living. And so for us, we kind of grew up that with that. It was like our normal to be at the spaghetti's dinners once a week and go and visit the families and stuff like that. But the reality is, is every 40 seconds, someone has a stroke. One out of every two males will have cancer. One out of every three females will have cancer. So what happens when we get us in a situation like that? Most people don't have the money to make it through these types of situations. So then what happens? Right. All of a sudden, our loved one passes away because we don't have the money to pay for that or we can't pay for them to be in an assisted living type of establishment. Right. So our life insurance can pay for that now. And that's one of the things that I love about it, again, because for you guys that know me, I love to leverage right and they use the least amount of money so how do we do that is if that life insurance policy consider uses those living benefits okay we know we're going to pass away it's going to be used but what if we need it for that living benefit so no matter what we're leveraging our money and we're going to use that policy if that makes sense yeah let me ask a little bit more about that when you say living benefits let, let's let's get down that piece right there because many people don't understand that component just like i don't so what do you mean living benefits 
So living benefits is where you can use your death benefit on your life insurance policy now while you're living to cover expenses that are um, with like cancer, heart attack, stroke. If you end up in assisted living, you can't do two out of your six activities of daily living. Um, you got in an accident where you can't use your legs anymore. You can utilize that life insurance policy now while you're living to help with your care or to help you, you know, if it's uh, terminal to help you, you know, have a blast that last year of your life or whatever you want to use it for, but you can use that policy now. And so I love that because, you know, most people don't realize that there's so many different expenses that come with if we're having health challenges, right? If you think about it, when do we have health challenges? Typically, we're 60, 70 years old. We've worked hard for the people that have saved or, if, you know, we've saved or thinking about retirement or excited about it heart attack, stroke, cancer, boom, something happens. Well, we just wiped out everything we spent the last 40 years saving in a year, two years. You have a policy mm. with living benefits. You can leverage that. You don't have to worry about your retirement money. You could still go into retirement because think about that. If we wipe out our retirement money, now all of a sudden we don't have retirement money. Is anyone going to rehire us at 70 years old? Mm. Can right. I get a job? Right, right. Odds are not right. in my favor. And then we think about, OK, why do we have these what we call the Panini generations now where we have millennials still at home? We still have our parents at home. And this is one of the reasons right. because there's just not money. But the other thing, too, is if you think about any of us have um, seen, you know, they'll have the GoFundMes or their car washes to raise money for final expenses and to bury our loved ones. OK, so think about average funeral costs, 15, 20 thousand dollars. We can come up with that. Right. But think about if you have extra expenses outside of your health insurance that needs to be paid, where does that money come from? Mm. Right. I think about my father. My father passed away in 2010. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Right. My mother's a nurse. Great health insurance. After health insurance, her out-of-pocket costs were still still $50,000 a year. One of his medications was $2,000 a month. One. Okay. Uh, four kids, by the way, how many families could have survived that? Right. Not very many. We were lucky, but most people did, would not have had an extra $50,000 a year. So then what happens to our loved one? They're not getting the care they need. They pass away. Wow. Mm. Mm. So what makes what you're saying so important about this uh, life insurance, whole life insurance policies, living benefits, it's the same thing or it's very similar to you know what we talk about on the show as far as having expert assistance help you to realize your dreams and goals. When I found out about the components of developing a, a sustainable business, it was just impossible not to do it. And in my head, I felt as though the only reason people, the businesses that are failing at the risk they're failing at is because they don't know this information. You can't know it, then not do it. It seems, it seems in the same breath, the, any person watching the show or who has a conversation about whole life insurance policies. There's no way you can continue living knowing you can benefit financially from your life insurance policy now while you're alive, not just after you're dead. Once you know that's the case, then you can take action. For a person where the light bulb goes off and says, wow, I just never knew that, what action steps should they take other than going to Natalie Esmond, of course? If they want to start a, um, hey, Jen, good morning. If they want to start a life insurance policy, and just find policy. more to even start the process. I'd say first thing is that you need to sit with an agent that's a non-captive agent first and foremost. 
right? Non Hands down, non-captive. So what is a non-captive agent? That means that they represent more than one insurance company. They can shop around for you. Why? Because it's going to get you the best rating every month. It's going to get you the best insurance. They have options for you. The other thing too is if you've had any health challenges in the past, it gives them more options to shop around and give you better premiums for the health insurance some, or the life insurance. Sometimes people think that they don't qualify. That's not necessarily true. It might just be that that insurance company doesn't want to take the risk of that client. And there are other clients that are will or other companies that are willing to take the risk. So you need to look for a non-captive agent. They're going to shop around, get you the best policy for the best deal. Number one. Number two is I would say date a couple agents because this is a big deal. Your life insurance is a big deal because this is something you're meant to have forever. This is something when we pass away, this is the agent that's going to be delivering cash to your family. This is the agent that's going to be dispersing funds to pay for final expenses or to put that money and investments wherever you want it. A significant part of the biggest parts of your life. So you want to make sure you like them and trust them because a lot of times these agents go um, are, you know, go into our legacy, then they're taking care of our kids and so on and so forth, right? So you want to make sure there's someone that you have the same value systems with, you trust them, they have options for you, um, and that you're going to have a relationship that's open. Like one of the things that I look at is if I'm trying to get a hold of one of my own agents for something and I'm not having communication, forget it. Like, I want that communication. I want a relationship with them. This is my money. It's important to me, right? Don't mess with their kids. Don't mess with their food. I always laugh about and don't mess with our money. So I want to know that I can have, if you're not responding to me, that makes me nervous. This is my money, right? So I need to be able to know that we're communicating. If you're not following up with me once a year, making sure I'm good, nothing's changed, having a relationship with me, I'm not hearing from you, that's a problem. So you want to look at that, especially in life insurance, because there is a big turnover in the industry. Yeah. Another thing that I would look at is, does that agent just do life insurance or do they do full financial planning? Because that's a huge deal. When you think about our finances, you don't you don't want to look at them as just insurance here, retirement here, debt over here. You want to look at the big picture first and then say, OK, what tools do I need to get to my destination and in what order? How do I stop the bleeding and in what order? Sorry if I might be getting a little deep in the weeds, <laughs> just let me know. Okay. Um, but that's the biggest things that I would say is non-captive agent and don't be afraid to date because this is a marriage when it's the right person, right? So date and find the right agent for you. So let me ask, because uh, I've heard, um, you know, obviously over the years dealing with finances, these, these things about infinity banking and velocity banking and using your insurance policy like your bank. And and I hear a lot of people talk about that. What is the myth behind that? And and what can you really do or not do in that in that world? And if you could talk about it a little bit, I'd appreciate the myth, that. The myth behind it? Is there a myth behind it? I don't know if there's a myth behind it. Maybe too good to be true because people don't hear about it enough. I think maybe something you have to look at is fees and type of those plans to make sure that you're not getting blown away by fees, but can you leverage them for different things? Can you use insurance to have tax-free income? You can. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Joe Biden just said that he's going to raise capital gains taxes back up to 28% and corporate taxes <laughs> back to plus almost 40%. 
Let's talk Are we about getting political this, this morning? I, 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 we're not getting political, but we're definitely talking. Talk. coffee for politics, Carl. <laughs> let, let, me, let me chime in. Nope. This is good, though. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, right, but, yeah. But, but, but it's the financial part, right? So, so just that's what's going on in the political landscape. Things are going to change tax-wise for a lot of people who, right. who fall in certain tax brackets. Yeah. Um, and those people may or may not know about some of this stuff that you're 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 really leaning into in regards to yeah protecting so, I mean, your it, assets yes and so it is a tax code tax code 7702 not that i'm a tax professional on um being able to leverage your life insurance in that regard now have they been trying to change that for the last decade or so yeah because you know of course they want us to pay our taxes but at the same time hmm where are they putting their money so there has to be you know there there's gonna always have to be loopholes i think that's just my opinion because if there aren't where what are they using <laughs> we know they're using all the loopholes right? right now we're just becoming more aware and leveraging them ourselves mm -hmm. okay Real so quick. how does that work how does velocity bank it really quick tayron hold on i i, I got to get to the answer of this because uh i, I had a guy call me uh, maybe three weeks ago um, mm -hmm. out of Chicago talking about, Carl, you need to get into velocity banking. Let me show you how this works. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of go through a quick rundown on how, what it was explained to me. And I'd love to hear your say, advice yeah, right your, here. What's his perspective? On, what is it for him? So for him, he was he was he was instructing, take your income, put it into the life insurance policy, then use your life insurance policy Obviously, you have to get past the minimum payment in order to start withdrawing money out. But once you get to that magic number, whatever that is, you can explain this far better than I can. Then they were using those funds to pay their living expenses every day. And he literally said within a few months, you could just shut down your bank account. Carl, you just the insurance company is now your bank account. What that's what I mean, the myths like it. How true is that? Like, what is that? <laughs> so there's a fine line with everything right can you again save money in your life insurance have access to an income tax-free use it yes there are there different things you have to look at inside that policy how you're leveraging it but i think part of even what he's saying is if you're going to be leveraging it and being able to get that type of rate of return on your money you need to get a great health rating because that's going to determine the fees inside that policy and you want to be as young as you can be because again that's going to determine those fees inside that policy, which is going to determine the amount of cash that's in that policy that you have access to, to pay those things. Mm. If that answers the question. Right. So, so it's a, it's a real thing. Just again, as Tehran was mentioning, get with an expert, right? That's uncaptive so that they could do all of this. They understand finances. They understand yes. insurance and have them guide you through this process. Don't watch YouTube and go, Oh, I just watched a video on infinity banking or velocity banking, and I'm going to start doing this by taking out a, you know, a HELOC uh, home equity line of credit and pouring that into this and then paying off my home. Because there's that other part that people say, oh, you can use your insurance policy with a HELOC to pay off your home in less than 15 years or 10 years if you just mm -hmm. do it right. 
Yeah. And, and I think the bottom line is that you want to have a solid foundation when it comes to your finances. Too many times we're looking at, even with the millennials that we're looking at TikTok and all these things that are happening and millennials getting all this money or whoever getting all this money. But the bottom line at the end of the day is, is if we don't have a healthy relationship with money, if we don't understand how it works, we're going to end up in the same exact situation that we started in, right? If you mm -hmm. look at lottery winners, which I've had uh, one in my family even, what happens? How many of them become broke? Majority of them. It's like 95% or something. The statistics are very high. Why? Again, it's because we don't know how to have a relationship with money, how to have a strong financial foundation when it comes to money. Okay, now I have this money. What do I do with it? So it comes down to um, building it right and then also um, diversification of it too, right? So if someone's telling you, do all this and dump all this into this type of product. I don't believe in that at all. You have to be diversified because we never know what's going to be happening in the industry, right? In the in general. Right. So it's important to have that diversification. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I wanted to chime back in when you spoke about non-captive for a person who's just going to take this information and, and go, which we hope people do. So is that something they can find when they're going on Google? Do they Google non-captive? If I look up life insurance agent, is it going to tell me that they're non-captive? How do I know if I'm dealing with a non-captive agent versus a captive agent? Is that something I need to inquire about? As I would well ask. As, mm -hmm. I would just ask the agent if they're a non-captive agent. Okay. And, you'd all and the other and the other thing, too, is I would look at a planner that does insurance and um, investing. Why? Because, again, you're looking at the big picture. So it or if I'm working with an insurance agent that doesn't do both, let's just say, you know, because sometimes people can be like, oh, I just want to deal with you know, being in the market. No, oh, I just want to deal with being an insurance and index and they need to meet together. Right. You're the, anyone who's in charge of your finances, those meetings need to be together. If you think about, right, if I'm Oprah and I need help with my finances, my insurance person's not just going to come over one day. My seat, no, right? If we're, we're having a family meeting and we're talking about my money. And so it should be the same whether you're a billionaire or you're making 50000 a year. It's still right. your money and it's it should have everyone involved. You know, yeah. that takes me back to Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Again, one of my favorite books of all time in finance. And and, and the more that I in, in engage with you, Natalie, and I especially enjoyed this whole season of us talking and yeah. building a relationship and getting to know one another. But one thing that we've always said throughout the entire show for the season is build a team around you. You can't do it on your own. Get a group of experts around you. And so the same sentiment is what I'm hearing is it applies to your own personal finance and, and, and your relationship with money. You cannot do it alone. Like if you're sitting at home and you have some money and you think you can manage your money, you can manage, manage your insurance policies, you know, you can manage all of this stuff by yourself. Well, obviously you're mistaken because you need these brokers, you need these experts, you need these coaches and consultants to guide you through this process. As much as I read and, and, and study on Velocity Banking, Infinity Banking, Honestly, I wouldn't take one step into it without calling you, Natalie, and going, Natalie, you want to guide me through this process? Because I may have understood it, but that's just understanding it enough to communicate my wishes to you, not Man. enough to actually go in and do it. I got to jump in on that. Man, you're touching some spots there. <clears throat> it experts. Absolutely. You know, it's come to be, uh, I forget who told this. I want to say that my mother said it to me. She said so many great nuggets to me. That a person does not have to be an expert in a specific subject 
in order to share an opinion about it. And no matter what subject you open up in dialogue, real estate, uh, Bitcoin, business development, consultation, I don't care what's politics, I don't care what you're talking about. No one's going to say, hmm, I never heard about it. Tell me more. People immediately jump in with information. So we build these rooms and subcultural societies of consultants around us. But there are people who aren't qualified. Mm -hmm. And then we take action on the information that we're getting. So it's kind of like the Wayne, uh, not Wayne Dyer, um, how you see whatever you focus on. Whatever you focus on, what you see more. So if you give me a certain type of information, Natalie, and I start going and looking into that information, I'm going to identify everything that reminds me of what you said to me. It's just going to fortify everything that I'm doing. I'm getting other information, but I'm already locked in to what you told me. But what if you're not a life insurance expert or financial planner or advisor? What if you're just somebody at the barbershop that had an open conversation and you were very uh, um, aggressive in saying your opinion? I'm like, oh, that must be true. Well, now as I go, my trajectory is going to line up to whatever you were saying. And then, you know, so a lot of times that what happens just in life, period, you know, it's like this this whole process is an entire process of constantly, constantly, constantly ensuring that you are the student in the room that you're being taught in versus the teacher teaching what you know. Anytime we speak, we only repeat something that we've already heard. The only time we learn something new is when we listen. And that's where all the value is at. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great point. What I love about that, too, is that, yes, everyone does have an opinion. By the way, so are all these advisors that you're sitting down with and speaking with. That's one of the reasons why you want to date, because um, we're all going to have different perspectives, too, based on our experiences and how much time we've had in the industry. So, again, I think that's important because it doesn't make someone's experience or perspective wrong, necessarily. It just might be might not be the right solution for you. Right. I know my mom would always tell me um, growing up and she's so this way, but it's like I'm going to listen to your opinion, but I'm still going to make the decision based on what's best for myself and my family. And so I think that goes again back into what you're saying, Tehran, which is us being actively involved with our money. Why are we not involved in this relationship? Right. We make it like it's so it's just money and it's not a big deal. It comes and goes. Yeah, that's true. Money does come and go. Right. We can make more of it. it and that is true. But the reality is, is it determines so much in our life. Think about that. If it determines, you know, we can look at our bank account. All of a sudden our whole day is ruined or and we've just had to spend two and a half hours on the phone because they overcharge us by 20 bucks on something. And it's like, gosh, was it even worth that amount of my time? But money plays such a big role where our kids go to school, right? If we're living in a safe neighborhood, if I have, you know, reliable tires on my car, number one cause of divorce is finances. So money plays a huge, huge role. And we just tend to constantly put it on the back burner and not prioritize it. When it needs to start becoming a prioritize a priority, it needs to start becoming a conversation that we're having all the time, like it's not a big deal. I hear all the time from people, how do you bring up life insurance? It seems like such an uncomfortable conversation. I've never had a challenge talking about it. Why? We all pass away. Like that's just the truth. Just like the sky is blue, we all pass away. That's the reality. What's hard to talk about? <laughs> it's the truth. That's right. 
That's it's right. so interesting. And Jen, and 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 I want to say good morning to Natalie Forrest, who's here with us, and morning, Jen Natalie. Hogger, and and morning, anyone's here. If you're here and, and you haven't shouted out in the comments, please do so and make sure you drop your questions so we can answer your questions. But Jen brought up a really good statement. She said they really need to have money relationship in high school. And that's that's a big deal. And the way she put that has so much impact because I remember being in high school and I remember going through a finance class. But it wasn't money relationship. It was a different class. It was teaching you how to do your checkbook. It was teaching you how to do these basic things that you'll need to know when you get out of school or while you're in school, depending on if you're generating revenue or not. And money relationship is such a different terminology, such a different terminology to the relationship to money. You know, where did money come from? Are we talking about the fact that, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I'm about to ask you too. <laughs> are we talking about the fact that the United States of America went bankrupt in 1913? Are we having that conversation? No, we're not having that conversation. You know, are we are we understanding that gold doesn't back the dollar anymore? You know, it's all chattel paper now. What does that mean? That means when you're born, you're now the currency for the U.S. dollar. Like, what are we talking about? And so, don't even without even going down that rabbit hole, we start thinking about, like you said, insurance policies. And what really led me into listening more about insurance policies, Natalie, you said it, uh, leveraging. The smartest move we can do in finance is leverage. That's the secret, leveraging. If we just took everything else away, the idea is to leverage. Let's just think about this for a second. If you had $100 in your pocket and someone told you that you can leverage that $100 to $500, make a $500 investment and, and generate a great interest off that $500 investment and then come back down to your $100 after you paid off the additional $400 that you borrowed. Your interest, the ROI on that money, it's it's almost infinity. It, 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 it just capsizes. Now, listen, they do this in real estate and, and I don't wanna get into a real estate conversation, but this is where the savvy real estate investors go. This is how they do that. They will go and they will take $30,000 and they would buy a $100,000 property. They'll take out a mortgage on that at 4% interest, right? And then they'll take and get a second loan on that property for another forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, right? Depending on the LTV, 70%, 60%, whatever that is. And they don't take that money and pay off the property. They go buy another property. And then that property generates enough money to pay back both loans and create positive income. Wait a minute, we're not done yet. Then they leverage that one. Wait, we're not done yet. Then they leverage the next one. Wait, we're not done yet. Then they leverage the next one. And next thing you know, they're sitting on seven or eight or nine pieces of property and they're paying each other off and creating positive income. That's leveraging. Right. And if you understand if understanding that in the simplicity of what Natalie's saying is, you can do that with a life insurance policy. If you just understood, if you just get the expert, it's not the same equation, but at the end of the day, it's the same result. Leveraging. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and what I love about that, Carlton, too, is that as you're talking about even leveraging in real estate, that's not even using all the resources that are available. Right. That's just one little thing. And so, again, this comes down to us being educated in financial literacy because there's so many different things that we can leverage to um, to create wealth. You know, even just thinking about you, you talked about buying a home. Why are we not taught how to buy a home in school? Hmm. I mean, isn't the expectation that once we got a school and move out of our parents' house, right, we're going to buy a home. That's part of 
what people do. Why aren't we taught how to do that? We're going to buy a car when we're 16 and start to drive. Why aren't we taught how to do that? Right. So I have an so, objective answer to that when we come back. from. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go into a quick break and then we're going to get back into the dirty, dirty. So be right back. <laughs> A wise man once asked, what if starting a business was like jumping out of a plane? And like 76% of businesses, what if 76% of parachutes failed before you reached the destination? What about those of you who have already jumped? Well, you may still have time to check your business. Pillar5.com where businesses get it right. vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The Better Your Business Show starts now. Yes, this morning talking about financial literacy in a nutshell. So obviously we're all three, I think, just really excited about this subject. Absolutely. Welcome back to the Better Your Business Show Unplugged. Um, thanks to all our viewers. Thanks to all our watchers and all our listeners and our audience. We have completed season one of the show, 12 episodes. Woo! We had some of the greatest uh, experts join us, Sharon Lecter, David Chrysler, Amy Razor, on and on, Patty Farmer, Natalie Farmer. I can't stop talking. Um, and so while we take this break and get ready for season two, we have decided to go unplug because we know you're used to being here every Monday morning, like Tehran says, with your cup of coffee, ready for some insights. So we are going to be here until season two starts, giving you the unplugged and all wrong. And so... Drop your questions in the comments. What topic do you want us to talk about? What do you want to hear from us? And we will uncover and we will bring it to you live every Monday. So let's keep it going, Natalie. We were talking about finance. Terrain, it looked like you had a question there. Let's just get it popping. No question. Uh, Natalie actually asked a question. She said, why aren't we taught that in school? And I was asked in one of the comments about school and financial literacy. Then you even spoke about balancing your checkbook and learning how to fill out the different fields. And I remember doing that in school, too. Um, I don't remember the word leverage ever being taught in school or where it can apply to me in life. I don't remember credit being taught in school. And um, I think it's important for everyone to understand or for all of us to take note to just the truth of it. You know, Dick Gregory said one time about the glasses of enlightenment. He said there's three rules to the to, when you, to the 
to enlightenment. Uh, when you put on the glasses of enlightenment, he said, the first rule is that um, you have to see things. Oh, the first rule is you can never take them off. The second rule is you have to see things as they are, not as they should be. Mm-hmm. And the third rule, you can't make anybody else put them on. And that was really profound to me, especially when we start talking about financial literacy and talking about school. And there's just a reality that we specifically in the Western hemisphere, we live in a capitalistic society. Capitalism is not as old as history itself. It is new in regarding time. The Western type of capitalism. So we have a condition, a preconditioned uh, philosophy, mind frame and relationship with money. That's why I love the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book so much, because the second book, Cash Flow Quadrant, broke down the mindsets that you're going to find out you have just by reading the book. You either on the left side or you're on the right side. And there's two different parts on the left side. There's two different parts on the right side. Has nothing to do with what your job is. It has nothing to do with what your career decision is or if you're an entrepreneur or not. It's how you relate to money. It wasn't taught to us in school. And, you know, again, the question is why being in a capitalist society, it would be financial suicide to literally program a society to be financially financially literate and proactive as young adults that would change the whole structure of everything so it's an intention nobody's making a mistake you know nothing's broken it's working the way it was designed to work so it's Mm -hmm. our responsibility once we have the information to pass on the information or we can depend on the schools to do the teaching Knowing that they're not going to do it, then just talk about what they're not doing. So, uh, you know, just knowing by design, okay, they're not going to, my children are not going to learn financial education from an expert perspective before, as at the same time that they're getting all of the credit cards that they're going to get in college. They're going to immediately get a bunch of credit cards hit to them. And there's a reason behind that. So I think the onus is on us. Um, Information is power or the application of information actually is power. And um, to inform that. So just knowing that that's that's the case. So let's do the due diligence. Let's not take information from anyone who has an opinion and uh, seek out experts because there's a slew of people that have a wealthy mindset that look at every situation from a different perspective and get a different outcome because of the information that they've taken in, digested, the program that they've programmed into their computer in order to process the data. You know, I say. That's an interesting perspective, Tehran, because um, I, I guess my study of money and gold and that historical bankruptcy of this country, you know, ages ago, uh, I, I agree with you, but there's a part of that that I that I disagree with. I think in my own mind, and again, this is what I've been exposed to, and as you spoke very eloquently, we're going to reflect on what we've been exposed to. So that's what we're going to talk about. There's no right or wrong. It's just perception of the paradigm in which you come from or what you've been exposed to. And I see that in the industrial age, you know, in in the infancy of our country, that that was the mindset. It was to educate people to be great employees. And I think at the turn of the 20th century, everything changed. I just think that the educational component is the last component to catch up. I think I think it's taking a while. And, And proof of this story is approximately four years ago was these two gentlemen came from Brazil or one of those countries. And you probably heard me talk about this prior, 
But one of those countries, they had built some software company down there. They sold it and they made enough money to come up here and go to college. And they came up here and they went to an Ivy League school and they thought they were going to learn everything they needed to know to build, you know, a multi-million dollar organization. And nine months in, they decided to quit school. They, they walked away from college. Now, by no means am I telling everyone in the world, please quit school. School has no value. Right. But what they realized was that the, the education that they received in building their business was more than what they were receiving at the Ivy League school. Now, the information was great, but it wasn't pushing them in that direction. So they walked away and everyone said, well, they're going to fail. They're not going to achieve their goals. Three years later, they sold their company for over four billion dollars. Wow. And so that there's no fluke in that. Right. And, and when you hear other people like Mark Cuban talk about that. Or, or, or Robert or, or Robert Leary. I mean, you hear these people talk about these things. There's a reason for that. There's a there's a there's an understanding of that, which is why programming is starting to go into school. Technology and AI development is starting to come into school. It's it it's still to us. I think, in my own perspective, it still has this learn to be a great employee mindset, right? And and, and that's the mindset that we see. But I think the undertone of that is bring us a better system, bring us a better way to do this, and we'll be happy to implement it, right? Because I notice now children are a lot different than they were when we were little, right? As much as they tinker on computers, it's still the three-year-old that can get into your computer or your phone when you're locked out, and the 15-year-old doesn't know how to hook up a PlayStation. It's like, what? How, how's that even possible? And so it's just the mindset. It's just the paradigm to that. And and I think that shows like this that want to put that education out there and and we can talk to the adults and we can talk to the parents and say, don't rely on the schools or any other educational platform to teach your child how to be wealthy, how to build generational wealth. Go get that education and teach it in your home, teach it in your own home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I want to wrap that right back around to Natalie again. So, yeah, now just run it. I, I feel the same way, actually, that you do. <clears throat> um, again, being that it's our responsibility, it's the the life insurance. I know nobody hears about that. There's not a course on life insurance in school, but everybody dies. It's re- so weird. It's not weird. It makes sense once you put the glasses on and say, oh, I get it. They're not going to give me that information. The information that I actually am going to need for the rest of my life, I'm not going to get until it's time to use that information. I'm going to get on the job training on life, which is why grandparents are such the greatest element to ever exist. So just the wiser, you know, the wisdom that's on the planet with us that we share with the people on the planet. But so, again, back to the life insurance. Well, I mean, not only that, anybody can do that time, right? I'm sorry. I was going to say say not only that, but times change what we're, you know, our benefits, what's going on, everything changes, you know. So, like, I love that you mentioned that, Tehran, with your grandparents, because I look at my legacy of money. And I think this is such an important conversation because really, who are we learning money from? Really, at the end of the day, is we're watching our parents, really. Right. Relationships with money. We're watching our parents. Well, who did they get their financial education from? their parents, right? And so on and so forth. We may have picked up some things along the way, but reality is, is we watched our parents, we were programmed into that relationship and that's what we're doing. So I, even I look at my own life, you know, I think that I was very blessed. I look at my grandfather, he retired at 50 years old. He did everything he was supposed to do. He worked for Lockheed, great employee, 35 years, awesome retirement. He's just turned 88 years old. He's literally spent the last 38 years 
doing Model Ts, you know, enjoying his retirement. He was loyal to a company. They were loyal back to him. He played the game right. Right. But it doesn't exist like that anymore. Jobs don't have pensions. You're not loyal to a company. Most people aren't spending longer than maybe seven years at a job. So we have to ship. So even I look at my mother, what she's accomplished. OK, I learned from that. My mom always said, get in. Don't get into debt save money. And then I thought, okay, so what do I need to learn next? Well, what I needed to learn next for me was, okay, now how do I get money to work for me? I've been taught how to make money. I've been taught how to work hard. How do I get money to work for me? And that's a huge missing link for most people. It's we can get up, we can go to work, we can make money, but how do we get money to work for us? Do we want to continue to work hard for money for the rest of our lives? Or do we want to get that money to work hard for us? And that's what we got to wrap our, wrap our head around is that we can do that. And that we're meant to do that. And I even think about a lot, even now, women and money is becoming a big deal because um, we, again, have to play a larger role in this. Right. But statistically, we're going to outlive our husbands. We, we live longer than men. Our husband passes away. All of a sudden, we don't know how to pay the bills. I had a client husband pass away. And literally, the bank called me. The bank called me and said, I need you to come get her out of the bank because she's arguing with us. Of course, she's upset. She can't pay her bills because her husband was in charge of all the finances, he's passed away. She's arguing with the bank to pay her bills. She just wants to pay the bills. I want my electricity to be on. I still want to have a car on my mortgage. I have to pay for you to pay, to pay my bills, right? And again, this just it just goes back to that financial literacy education and us wanting to have that relationship, right? I know people can be so overwhelmed with money. Hey, I don't know where to start, but just start. Just start. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's so big. And and I know we, we, we've been covering life insurance and understanding the impact of leverage. But I think we need to come back and really just break it down to the root of it. Like, what is leveraging? Why is it important? Like, I mean, almost as if we were in school. Yeah. Where does leveraging play? Some of the things we don't learn in school. Right. Like I say, uh, technology has changed a lot of things. Society has changed. Everything has changed in our world. And so now that things have changed and now we're the adults, if you will, may not act like it all the time, but we're the adults right now. What's different? What did we learn along our journey through life that our parents didn't learn? Well, I can tell you my mom didn't know how to short a stock. She didn't know what options were. She didn't know what leveraging was on a stock. She didn't understand the margin component of a stock. In fact, most people, if they're listening right now to the show, they're probably thinking, Stock is gambling. <laughs> you're putting your money in the market. You're gambling. And right. there's that mindset. There's that misunderstanding that, yeah, it can be it can be gambling if you don't understand what you're getting into. But if you understand what a win ratio is and you understand your deltas and alphas and all that other great stuff, you can control your win. Tehran said it so eloquently earlier when we were backstage and he said, you know, you're, if you're gambling, then you really don't know what you're doing. You're kind of just saying, I guess this is going to happen. But if you've done your homework and you've done your research and you've studied it, it's kind of like a professional poker player. If I go sit down at the poker table and I'm a professional, you can bet I'm not gambling. I understand the win ratio as each one of those cards fall. And that's how all of us should be looking at finances in life, not just in the stock market or insurance. Like, what is our leverage? What are our win ratios? But I think what we do, Natalie and Tayron, I think we get into this little pocket of we're generating money. Okay, I'm making money. I'm making money. I'm putting it in my bank and I can buy what I want. So I'm good. And then things like COVID hit and then your money stops and everything changes. 
And now that investment that was working for you, people start relying on that to live because they don't have these insurance policies. They don't have these backup policies because they don't realize you can get an insurance policy for your business. You can get insurance policy for your life. You can get insurance policy for your health. You get insurance policy for your house. Like there's all these policies and we just go, well, I'm not into insurance. So I, I, I don't want any, I don't want any of that. I don't need any of that. And they almost cut off their nose to spite their face because they don't know what's behind the mirror. Mm, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We get so overwhelmed and we're so afraid of making the wrong decision that we just make no decision, which is a decision. Right. And it's a uh, detrimental decision. But again, you know, that just goes back to that leveraging. Like Carlton, when I hear you talk about alphas and deltas and all that stuff already, I'm like, I don't even want to know that stuff. Right. Especially if I'm not into money, I especially don't want to know that stuff. So it's like, why would I even want to get involved in this? But I'd say, Hey, even if you don't just know enough, right, you should know enough about your finances. And then you leverage someone like Carlton, someone like myself, someone like Tehran, some expert that you that you like, that you trust, that you see long term with, that you know that has their best interest at heart, that is really a professional, has experience. You know, I look at financial advisors as like a doctor. I'm going to see how many experience, how much experience have you had? Am I your first patient or have you had different experiences that are going to, you know, help you to, to emphasize my situation and really be able to provide that tool? And so, um, but again, just know enough to have some type of control and leverage on your finances. Don't be taken advantage of. I went to go buy tires last week and this guy gave me this quote and I was like, he thinks I'm some like dumb female coming in to buy <laughs> tires right now. Like I was so insulted. And I told him I'm single, but I said, you know what? I needed to just run it past my husband. Like if you want to play, let's play. I just need to run it past my husband. I'm like, I'm not buying those tires from you. I didn't. I, right. But only because I knew enough to be deadly. Do I know anything about tires? Not really, but I know how many miles I wanted. I know I was all three <laughs> and I know what I'm going to pay for it. I know enough not to get taken advantage of. It should be the same way, way with your finances, right? Anything above that, then you leverage the expert but there needs to be enough understanding to feel safe, confident, and not get taken advantage of. Oh, man, you're hitting it so on point, man. That's such a way of looking at things. It's such a great paradigm to have in perspective. You know, Carlton, you and I, when we were building, still, you know, uh, even with the company, I do systems, we had to know every single department that we need experts <laughs> in, in order to dialogue and know if they knew what they were talking about or not. But they needed to know more than us. But we couldn't just get a person based on their LinkedIn profile or based on if we don't know what that is. How do we know if it's valid or not? So we have to know everything everybody does enough to hold an intelligible conversation with them. Mm -hmm. It's like, OK, yeah, we need that done by you because, you know, you can run circles around me, you know. So, that, um, so yeah, you're right. We have to take interest in being financially literate, seeking out experts. Um, so that we can then, you know, vet people, you know, it's our life. You get one shot at this thing, you know, go all out. Tyron, I think, I think a little bit of it is, is, is fear, um, that people, they come to the realization that they don't know about finances. And then it's that one thing we used to hear when we were in school, I don't want to ask a dumb question, or I don't want to look like I don't know. Right. In fact, I'm just going to bring up an analogy to that, um, my son, he's 15, he plays baseball and he plays a really great game of baseball. Maybe two or three years ago, he was really, really, really good. And so he took off for three years. And so now he's coming back into baseball again. And in his mind, 
<laughs> he's the same. He's at the same level or higher. Like he just wakes up thinking, oh, I know more because I'm more mature. I know a better game of baseball. So I said, hey, let's get you back with your coaches. Let's get with your hitting coach, your pitching coach. And so they can work with you before we get into the season. And his response to me was, I want to work and get my pitching and hitting up before I go to the coach. So he's trying to go to the coaches to impress them. He's not going to the coaches to learn. And I think many people do that in business. And so they go, well, I'm busy and I don't have time to do the financial part. So I'm just not going to worry about it right now. I'm going to make some more money. Mm. Right. And I think the realization of last year, what happened to everyone is everyone who had that mindset felt their pockets get hit really heavy because they were so waiting to get to a certain mm -hmm. level before they brought on these experts to help them out. It was too late. The right. money they had in the bank now had to support them. And mm -hmm. so now, you know, they're in this demise or in this situation that they'll come out of, you know, as long as they're committed to coming out of it and they're willing to put in the action. But that's the, that's part of the component I see is people are afraid to just come out and say, you know what? I don't know. Help me. I don't know. You know, yeah. you got to know what you know. You got to know what you don't know. They say it's not it's not what you it's not what you don't know that will kill you. It's what you think, you know, that you have no clue of that will mm. destroy every opportunity in front of you because you'll debate someone who is more knowledgeable because you think, you know. So we really have to build a relationship with what we don't know, that place you're talking about that people are uncomfortable in. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't want to rant on the stuff that I know. I love when a I would rather a subject come up that I don't know so I can start getting information and just getting into that posture and go through a few seasons like that. You'll look back and be like, whoa, what did I just accomplish up here? What can I now accomplish? What can I now manifest? But I had to first get into a position of acquiring data. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And there's so much pride when it comes to our finances, right? Everyone wants to pretend like they have it all together. And the reality is, is we all go through different seasons. I don't care how much you know about money. We all go through different seasons. We're all going to have different things that we're working on. And, um, you know, it's again, don't it, that keep up with the Joneses mentality. We want to look rich, but not be rich. And then people are killing themselves, making themselves crazy, stressed, driving to have, you know, stuff to impress people they don't even like anyway, right? Well, would you rather have a healthy relationship with money? Have money, you can still have nice things, have peace of mind, you know, and, um, you know, when people really rather have that, I think so, right? If you have reliable cars, reliable place to live, that's, that's the dream, right? To have that peace of mind when it comes to our finances, so. I, I think the hugest responsibility that many of us need to wake up to, and sometimes it takes time, is that the generation of wealth that we build, that there's a there's a word in the front of that wealth. It's called generational. Mm -hmm. And we we and I'm gonna speak from a component of myself previously. I'm not there now, but that's where I used to be. That I thought all the money that I made in my life was for me to have what I wanted so I can live the way I want to and enjoy the best of this world, right? I was young. I was immature-minded at that time. Now I think of how much money can I put away for my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren? Not just my grandchildren, not just my children, but how many greats can I go, right? If you look on my tombstone, I want a whole bunch of X's, because that's how many generations he's touching when he goes away. Right. They may right. not remember my name. They may not know who I am. I may not have said the smartest thing in the world, but 
I, I have them in a position to where they can grow up understanding finances. They can grow up understanding the things that will change their life so that they can build for the next generation. And I think that lack of selfishness, selfishness allows us to aspire for more and for greater, mm. right? And leave that keeping up with the Joneses mindset out of the window. Absolutely, man, you hit it on the head, champ. I think this is, I think it's a, a Native American proverb that says, um, you're supposed to, you're supposed to live your life for seven generations after you. Mm. That's what you're supposed to do with your life. And then the next generation is brought up to do that as well. You know, but again, we're talking about a pre-capitalistic society. It was different. Uh, but the same mentality, just like you said, if I'm worrying about generations away in the dozens, I'll win by default a little bit while I'm here, if that's what I'm doing with my life. But if I can take away the component of, I want them to know I did it. I want to be able to think about a birthday gifts, a holiday gifts, Christmas gifts to two, three, four, five, and six-year-olds who don't even know what it's about. As adults in the capitalistic society in the Western culture, we do stuff for our pride and ego. The kid don't care about Jordans. We care about how we look doing it. And that, that bleeds over into how we live our life, how we end up raising them. We end up, we end up participating in a behavior that we don't really understand, but everybody's doing it, Joneses. So we just continue doing it. When you get a chance to step back, I say, wait a minute. If I make sure that 90% of the people that are benefit from what I'm doing, I will never meet. And I commit to that agenda. Oh, man, you can call me whatever you want. I actually stop what they say. I don't even read the comments. I don't even read the posts. I don't even worry about it. You're supposed to say that I'm an idiot because I'm not thinking the way you think. <laughs> you know, and it's, just, and it's just being comfortable within yourself. You know, like my partner, uh, uh, Kirk Nugent, always says, know thyself and to thine own self be true. Changes the whole paradigm of how you go through life after that. You welcome people not agreeing with you and you have no desire to rectify these things. You're too busy bettering you as a business man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And what a great way to end today's show. It's perfect. Boom. Drop the mic. <laughs> drop the mic. Mic drop. Mic drop. Next week. Well, join us every Monday on the Better Your Business Show Unplugged while we're in the middle of season one and season two. Thank you all for joining us every week. Uh, remember to always post your comments and questions so that we can talk about the topics that you want to hear. Um, and if we have to bring an expert in to help answer those questions, we will be more than happy to do so. Um, also, check out the Los Angeles Tribune live on Monday nights. Um, I think it's nine um, Central Standard Time, which would be 7 a 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, something like that. Just no. look up Mo Rock, look up Natalie Forrest. Um, and the Better Your Business show is in collaboration with the Los Angeles Tribune. You can check us out on the Roku channel, Los Angeles Tribune TV. Um, and of course, you can follow Natalie Esman on LinkedIn. Um, she's all over the place. If you've got questions on insurance, talk to her. You can find Tehran Glover on LinkedIn as well. Um, and the One Percenter group, the One Percenter club on uh, uh, Clubhouse is really have some really interesting topics. You may want to go in there and listen to some of these experts talking because they'll talk about subjects very similar. So until next week, peace, blessings. We hope you enjoy uh, and happy Mother's Day for all of the mothers out there. Uh, without you, we wouldn't be here. That's Better right. your business show coming right. at you. I'm <laughs> sorry.